0: Thank you. Folks, thank you for tuning in to Talks with Tiger. This episode is with Katie Brown. She runs a LA-based clothing company. She is the previous owner of five restaurants, and she comes on the show to talk about everything you can imagine. It was an absolute joy of a conversation, and I loved having her on. If you enjoy episodes like this, reach out on social media, post an episode, talk about it with friends, and anything else you can do. Subscribe, lots of love, and here's the show. All right, and we're live with Katie Brown. How goes it?
1: Hi, I am doing quite well. I'm super happy to be here with you.
0: Beautiful. Would you want to introduce yourself, what you're about?
1: Yeah, my name is Katie Brown, and I have a clothing line, um, which is one aspect of who I am, I guess, but um, when you ask me what am I about, I am currently about a clothing company that I started seven years ago um, that is focusing on classic timeless basics for women that are made out of Los Angeles.
0: I like it. It's yeah. funny because when I told you I was selling shirts and stuff, you're like, where are you getting that from? Yeah, that
1: was my first question. Yeah, because
0: yeah. that is a big thing. So they they don't grow this stuff even in L.A., do they?
1: Um, no. You know, the supply chain is a very important uh, subject and thing to follow um, as far as uh, the whole package. But um, for me, when I launched seven years ago, it was a complete new world and a learning curve that was straight up. I came out of owning restaurants. Um, Five but restaurants? I, or how many was it? Five, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That
0: must have been an unbelievable change to go from something where your stock runs, like if you order too much and not enough people uh, eat that day, mm-hmm. you run out of stock to having clothes that kind of last forever until fashion changes.
1: Yeah. that You just touched on so many different subjects in that <laughs> comment. <laughs> I, like, I like
0: throwing as much as I can at a guest yeah. and just uh, overwhelm. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. You know, whatever sticks kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But my real question in all of this is, do you wear your own clothes or do you think it's weird to, to rep your own merch?
1: No, I designed the line specifically to be the pieces that I wanted. Cool. So I wear it all the time. Beautiful. Mm -hmm.
0: And so where are you going to go from here? With the company? Yeah, or or just anything. I know um, you and and me, the the way this whole actually thing came about for listeners, we met, um, you kind of work in the small business startup community around here. But what your main goal is lately is you're working on a political video. You want people to go out and vote.
1: I do, yeah. Yeah, so that's like a side passion project. I call it the most important project of my life, other than raising my oh. kids, obviously, but yeah.
0: Holy cow. So mm-hmm. this is actually going to be a really big thing.
1: The video, yes. Yeah. Yeah, the movement, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm.
0: I like it. And that's it's going to be vision. apolitical. No no.
1: no political e- affiliation. Yeah. Correct, yeah. But,
0: but here's the interesting thing about that is, if it gets really popular in states that, where people primarily want to vote for someone like Trump, then it kind of becomes political. It's a weird thing where even if you just put out an ad that says go out and vote, it's really important, but you only played it in a specific area of voters that you know they're going to primarily vote for one person, that becomes political.
1: Yeah, that's not my intent. My intent is for this to go viral based on the content, the people who are in it, um, the emotional and psychological response that I'm shooting for that will happen in the people who watch it, right? So what do I, what am I shooting for?
0: Yeah. What's the psychological response you want?
1: I, you know, the idea came to me um, a few months ago when I heard that there were going to be somewhere between 13 and 16 million new voters in this presidential election. And to me, I have a 16 year old daughter and a 20 year old son. Um, It's important to me to promote the awareness around the importance of voting. Yeah. That's how we actually change things. So whether you, the listener, are are happy with the current political system or not, the important thing from my perspective is getting these young people to get out and vote. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people feel disheartened or disenfranchised. Um, like their one vote isn't gonna make a difference, so why even bother? Yeah. But the point is the combination of everybody's vote is what does make a difference. So get clear about what is important to you. Yeah. And then Figure out who you want to vote for and then vote. Yeah.
0: No, it's a whole, it's a big thing to, because everyone's so overwhelmed with just their own life, like just literally getting, I mean, especially if you have kids, but just getting your own rent paid and car insurance and a primary health physician, all this stuff. And then it's like, all right, now go learn about things that. I mean, people get doctorate degrees in political sciences, you know, and then it's like, are, do you just trust one of them or do you read multiple? It's a uh-huh. big endeavor to ask people to get educated, quote unquote, on politics.
1: Well, you know, as with anything important, there are gradations, yes. right? So you talk about people getting doctorates in political science, for example, that mm. is someone who chooses to really dedicate their life to the pursuit of knowledge around politics. Yeah. Um, most people aren't going to do that, right? So if you take it all the way down to the other end of the spectrum, we're talking about being educated on some basic level mm-hmm. to understand who is it that you want running your town, your county, your state, and yeah. your your um, country.
0: I'm with you. Well, state politics, just like local politics, I think, is the bigger, the more important thing. That's why I love hosting local politicians. But mm-hmm. I think the real opposite of the spectrum of getting a PhD is seeing five ads for Bloomberg and being like, you know what? My mind's changed. It's mm-hmm. that simple. Mm-hmm. Like Just like literally taking at face value. The first thing you say, like, boom. Or like, yeah. that. I mean, that's why uh, Biden was winning for the longest time is just name recognition. People yeah. Like, that's the far end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. I think just getting as far to the other side as you can
1: mm-hmm. is
0: helpful. Um, it's funny that you bring that up because I was getting to the point, even we, we briefly spoke about it right before we went on air, is that I'm feeling disenfranchised, like my vote won't matter. I was considering mm-hmm. not voting. Mm-hmm. Or I was considering voting Republican just because if, this, if the delegates actually screw Bernie out of this nomination, even though he wins the plurality... I'm like, then what is the point of voting if they only literally let you vote for who they let you vote for? You know, like if the people can't put put forward a nomination and be like, all right, we really want this person. Yeah. Then what's I mean, the point of it all? So
1: you referenced this article right before we got on the air, and I haven't looked at it or researched yeah. it or anything like that. But my my gut reaction to that point is that can't stop us. So any kind of fear tactic or any kind of institutional infiltration of yeah. control that is not about the citizens voting as an individual voter. Yeah, You cannot sit back and just let them win nice. by not voting. Yeah. So voting is the most power each individual has to change their future.
0: That's a beautiful thing. So
1: figure out whatever it is that's important to you. Look around, figure out who represents your belief system and who yeah. can help create an environment that you want to be a part of.
0: I like it. Yeah. I'm hundred percent with you there. Um, I mean, in terms of especially local politics, like like your your mayor, your city councilors, and your congressmen. That's like, I'm trying to focus on that. And then I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what, I kind of, everyone knows who they're voting for in terms of the presidential candidate. No one's mind's getting persuaded by a, a conversation or mm-hmm. a political post. So to move away from politics, mm-hmm. what was it like owning five or being partial owner in five uh, restaurants? Full owner? Uh, 50-50. 50-50
1: with 50 With my best friend.
0: Pff, score. Yeah. Were you best friends by the end of it?
1: Oh, she's still my best friend. Oh, yeah, we're leaving okay. on Tuesday for Mexico for nice. her 50th. Yeah. Uh, down Tipabaja, San Jose. Nice. Cabo. Yeah. yeah,
0: cool. I like
1: it. So that's actually where she had her first restaurant when she was 24. Nice. It was called Fandango. We met in high school. Um, and she opened that restaurant. And then when I was 32, my mother passed away. And someone recommended I'd, I was living in Portland, that I drive down to Eugene and check out this spot that had... Literally closed and locked the door on their last night of service and walked out. So it was like, a, it was so trippy. It was like a ghost town. When you walked in, there were pots of oil still on the stove. There were menus on the table. Everyone just walked out. Mm-hmm. So they knew they were done and they didn't care about leaving it in any kind of good shape. So I ended up calling her. She flew up and we decided to open our first restaurant. And uh, we each had oh. 15 thousand dollars no business plan and everybody telling us we could not do it including our lawyers who were incorporating us so it was um but it really did just make us turn the fire up internally Mm -hmm. as far as we will do this and we opened our first night with 86 cents in the bank
0: holy cow yeah
1: and no safety net and we sold i think about 450 the first night to family and friends which allowed us to write our COD checks the following morning yeah. um, for deliveries. Whoa. And within two months, we were packed. We had a two hour wait every night. Oh
0: my God. What, what restaurant was it, if I may ask? It
1: was called Red Agave.
0: Wow. Is it still around? No, we sold it. Sold it, it a long just, time ago.
1: Mm-hmm. Cool.
0: That's nuts.
1: Yeah, it was a crazy ride. But mm-hmm.
0: What's really weird about that is, uh, what role does your mom die playing? And you're like, my mom died, and then someone's like, hey, you should buy this restaurant?
1: Oh, so I got a small amount of money, fifteen thousand oh, okay. dollars from a life insurance yeah. policy, yeah. and that's and Sarah happened to have that same amount, yeah. and nice. so we each put in fifteen thousand. Nice. And then yeah. so you
0: franchised out to four other of the same restaurants. No, nope. and then
1: we opened after McDonald's a little bit with something. that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 we um, we opened our next restaurant about a year and a half, two years later. Completely different concept um, at Fifth Street Market. It was called El Vaquero, which was the cowboy. And it was quite a bit larger. Nice. Yeah, and pretty fancy. It was fun. And then we opened two more, and then we launched a cocktail mixer company.
0: Nice. And so why would you get out of the – I guess not even get out. Why would you move from the the restaurant business to clothing?
1: Uh, So – In 2008, we had four restaurants, 130 employees, and we were launching the cocktail mixer company and um, the recession hit. So we sold three. We lost our biggest one and filed bankruptcy, which was a whole process. And then in 2010, we decided to open another restaurant. So that was our fifth.
0: Wait. So what about so I've always wanted to ask like an actual business person who had a business that went under due to it. The stock market's falling. Do people just go out and eat less or like just because, yeah. because of everyone it was so, being tight with money? It was money?
1: so trippy because when 2008, we were in the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. it felt like I, I called it, it was like the tide was pulling out. I didn't know what was going uh, on. And I, would, I met with the, um, the landlord multiple mm-hmm. times. And this is a big like outdoor for people who don't know the street public market. It's yeah. an outdoor marketplace that has many shops and restaurants. And ours was the biggest restaurant in this establishment. Well, maybe the same size as another one. Anyway, it's bigger. It's bigger. Well, I was was Marché is a you know big restaurant. Anyway, point is, I was meeting with him, and I said something feels like it feels like there's something going on. I don't know what it is. He thought we were um, diverging or um, putting our time elsewhere too much, so Mm. he wanted us to come back, and we did. But then 2008 really hit hard. And, um, yeah, people just stopped going out. I mean, that's when the whole housing yeah. market crashed and yeah, it was, it was an intense
0: time. That'd be rough. Filing mm-hmm. for bankruptcy. Did you and your best friend, I mean, cause financial problems are like one of the main causes for divorce. I imagine divorce of friends would almost come easier than, than relationship divorce. Like, so like would, would that big of a financial turmoil, did it kind of put stress on you?
1: Well, tons of stress, but we, <laughs> Obviously, but. we, um, we get along really well. We're very much nice. yin-yang. We have a lot of personalities, personality types or characteristics that really overlap, but then also yin-yang yeah. with one another. So, yeah, we're does still... Does she have
0: blonde or white hair by chance? Because that would have been blonde. too per- She does? Yeah. Oh, that's perfect.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yes. yes. Yeah.
0: So then you you, to, you just use that as an opportunity to kind of slowly pull yourself out of the restaurant business and move into clothing?
1: Well, so then we opened our fifth one in 2010. Oh, yeah. we Got back in. That's what we knew. So um, had that for two years. And then the landlord came to me, to us, and said he was going to sell the building. And I went outside. It was a really warm October afternoon and sat outside in the sun and just said, I don't want to, to myself, this is my thought process, I don't want to do restaurants anymore. What am I going to do? It's got to be entrepreneurial, and I don't know what it is. And I looked across the street, and there was a woman walking into the ballet school Mm -hmm. wearing a striped classic boat neck, and it just hit me, what I call lightning bolt moments. I get those periodically. It's like I get visions, like I have an immediate vision, and my vision was I've always loved that style of clothing, just timeless classics, and I don't have a brand that I like, so I will start one. Mm. And that all happened in like 20 seconds that I had this wow. idea.
0: Boom. Katie Brown, LA.
1: Yeah. But that was the beginning. So yeah. that was, um, and I knew immediately that I would want it m- made here in the US and not in Bangladesh or China. By or small someplace. little
0: Chinese hands.
1: People, yes, who are very much exploited. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. Because uh, that's the, that's one of the biggest issues that I think a lot of people are misinformed on on both sides. Because mm. here's the thing. it's It's really easy. I feel so bad in this show. Like I'm, I'm, I'm always talking about people who are like, there should be no war. I'm like, well, you know, like things are necessary. But it's not like anyone. Some of those places are slave labor. But a lot of those places, like people bring in sweatshops. This is my understanding. Correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong. People bring in sweatshops and there's more opportunity to make money than there would be if you didn't work there. So people work there. Like we should pay them living wage. But for whatever reason, they still work there because it's better than the alternative of not working there. You know, I used
1: to have that same argument when I was younger, probably your age, actually. But what what we're really talking about, if you step back, is that we are supporting and perpetuating a reality that is not healthy for the environment. I'm talking specifically about Mm. apparel, but the environment, but also the human beings that are doing it, right? Mm. So you can say, well, it's better than nothing. They'd be starving on the streets if we didn't create work for them by consuming cheap clothing. Mm -hmm. Well, to me, that's a very shallow argument. You're, you're supporting the abuse of human life by buying cheap clothing. And that's the whole reality around fast fashion. You know, fast fashion is a term that is referring to clothing that is made. It's like fast food. H&M.
0: We'll just call it as as it is. H&M. Something that you won't probably wear in a year or two.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so it is, you know, the correlation came to me when I was in the middle of, I spent a year writing my business plan and figuring out how to start a clothing line. Mm I had never, I don't care about fashion personally. You know, I like functional, well-made clothing that I feel comfortable and solid in, but Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't look at fashion magazines or, you know, I'm not driven for fashion, Mm -hmm. but it was halfway into that year, and I heard on NPR that um, Rana Plaza collapsed in Bangladesh, which killed 1,100 women and children. Whoa. And they were making clothing for the Gap and for the stores that we support here yeah. in America or in a Western culture, right? First world wow. environment.
0: 1,100 people? Mm-hmm. That's nuts.
1: Yeah. So. The woman who was being interviewed uh, wrote a book, and the title is, you know, the the. I'm going to butcher it, but her name is Elizabeth Klein, and it talks about the hidden cost of clothing. So Mm -hmm. she was talking about the kind of clothing that is being made in these factories, where the companies who hire these factories want to save every single penny they can. So they get, they negotiate, they get the price down. So the you know, and it all trickles down. So the factory owner. Pushes these people, often women and young children, to work insane hours for for barely enough to eat. Right, They're living in poverty beyond anything you or I have ever experienced around us even. This is just a completely different world. So when we buy from H&M or even Old Navy or any of these stores that just create cheap clothing, when you go buy a cheap piece of clothing, you are a piece of the cog, like a cog in the wheel or the, a piece of... Of the puzzle that continues to support the puzzle being in existence. Yes. You know, and... So, I'll
0: hold you there. Yeah. Yes. But you got to admit, we, we all can't afford a $200 piece of clothing.
1: No, absolutely not. But then so also... So, what
0: would be an alternative?
1: So, the alternative is to buy less.
0: Ah, I like it. Yeah. Less of, can you buy some of the cheap clothing? I mean, like, in your life, you got to admit, maybe you haven't. You, you own five uh, restaurants. But, like, at some point, like, people do need to be clothed, you know? Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. Like, I like. I agree with what you're saying. Are there? What I'm really asking is: there any ethical companies that you can buy halfway decent clothes from, like that for that aren't crazy yeah, expensive? Yeah. So there's
1: a company called Everlane.
0: Beautiful. That's what I was looking for. Yeah,
1: they're online. Mm-hmm. They are a company that is 100% e-commerce, and they built this very successful company on the idea of total transparency. So they do manufacture overseas, but they. Work closely with the factories. Mm. There's a lot of oversight. Fair trade stuff. Yeah, they're not right. supporting. You know, so th- that's an option for sure. There are other options, I'm sure. Um, Second hand is great. Yeah. Goodwill, St. Vinny's, Buffalo Exchange.
0: You convinced me. I'm gonna start when I make my merch. I'm gonna make it with uh, what was the name of the company? Everlast. Everlane. Everlane. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm sold on it. Yeah, I don't know. Clothing is like such a weird thing because, I actually gave off probably 80% of my clothes to, to Goodwill. And I'm just trying to buy all the same colors. Um, I actually was going to wear a beige t-shirt like Mm -hmm. I always wear, but then it was so wrinkled. I'm like, I'm actually meeting with like a, you know, like a decent (laughs) member of the community today. I'm like, I can't just wear that. Um, so I wear this, but like it it Uh just feels so good to just wear the same thing every day. Have you ever gone through a phase like that in your life?
1: Oh, well, it's funny you say that it's definitely, um, um, component of my business model. The idea of, you know, I've, I've, started selling over five years ago. I've sold to thousands of women now. And what I have seen firsthand is that they are all longing for simplicity. Yeah. That's you what know? we're all longing for. And the word that they kept, they kept using coming back to me, which was completely unsolicited is uniform. They would say KBLA has become my uniform. Nice. So KBLA is for Katie Brown, LA. Mm-hmm. That's what I call it as KBLA. Um, I'll put a link
0: to it in the description as a heads up. Oh, great. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank
1: you. Um, so, the term decision fatigue became something that really is a focus for us now. Oh, yeah. Which is, you know, your closets and drawers are often stuffed with stuff that you don't typically wear. Mm-hmm. We wear about 15% of our belongings.
0: I've never heard it that way, but as soon as, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, you probably reached for the same pieces. Oh, yeah. And so, getting rid of the 80%, which yeah. is pretty close. Well, I guess,
0: yeah, I did. But, yeah. But, but, but prior to that, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Mm-hmm. So, I just had to. With
1: you I mean because you had too much stuff? Yeah, well, yeah. no,
0: yeah, I just had too many. Well, they had accumulated throughout like probably six years where I'm like, I, why do I have a shirt from six years ago? Exactly. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I just want all uniform, the exact same, like maybe three different colors. Yes, shirts. yes, and I it know. it feels so good. It's
1: so freeing. Yeah, it You're it is. literally freeing up energy. Like every day when you start your day out looking at this chaotic closet, it's chronic stress. Yeah. Low-grade chronic stress, right? That we don't even realize. It's like just the way we are. So That's so
0: first world the same, but It's we're dealing true. with
1: like um, uh, overstimulation in every area of oh, our lives. Hundred percent. So how do we pull back and how do we become more intentional? Yeah. You know, like with the food we buy, the food we buy is important. Mm-hmm. You know, the story behind whatever it is you're purchasing, as the consumer, the consumer holds the power. Yeah. Right. The power yeah. of the dollar. That's what makes or breaks any company Yeah, is the dollar.
0: It's just hard because everyone gets caught in cycles where it's like, you can't just eat vegetables. guess i like, I like, I don't think uh, up, like up until I think a year before I graduated high school, I'd eat fast food. And then starting at high school on all through college, I didn't eat a lick of fast food. And then when I went to Kauai, I was like sick and I was so hungry. I'm like, fuck it. I'll get a McGriddle. And it was unbelievable. And then, but like, you know, it does cross your mind. You're like, you're, you're kind of perpetuating and adding to a system that doesn't really value human health.
1: Or animal health or planet or health. health. We are all one big ecosystem. That's the
0: biggest. I got in an argument with so many people on this lately. And mm-hmm. it all started from a Twitter comment where mm-hmm. it's like, um, it was just about animal consciousness. And I'm like, I think, I mean, do you think animals are conscious? Like cows What do you and mean pigs. by conscious? They're aware of pain. They're, they're.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: But do you eat meat?
1: Yeah. I'm, the pain thing, when you talk about pain. Yeah,
0: I gave her a what look for, for people who are just listening, I guess. Yeah, so,
1: so he, here's the thing. When I talk about be aware, be conscious, mm-hmm. conscientious.
0: Yeah. That just of, make it of, worse, being conscientious of those cows crying out in pain. Come on.
1: Well, but here's the thing. When you talk about someone who raises cattle ethically,
0: Yeah. right? When mm-hmm. they
1: are allowed to graze for their whole life and oh, eat yeah. grass, and then they're killed quickly without pain. Yeah. And then the meat is processed and everything is done in a in a humane way mm-hmm. that's massively different than yeah. industrialization around food. hundred percent I so mean t- I t- yeah. I grass food meat at all. Yeah. But it I means me if,
0: if you really do take it that way, McDonald's might be the most ethical because they're not even eating cows at that point. No, I'm kidding. It's just tofu. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding.
1: <laughs> no, sawdust, I heard. Sawdust. Yeah, <laughs> sawdust yeah. and tofu.
0: No, but like I'm with you, but like I think, okay, you might be one of the few. I think a lot of people do just buy, you know, just cheap foster farm chicken and all this stuff. I do too occasionally, mm-hmm. but I don't believe that chickens are, I don't believe there's a consciousness in chickens to experience the pain. And if I did, I don't think I could buy foster farms chicken, you know? Like, yeah, see,
1: I do think there is, and I don't buy foster farms. Ah, so that's the thing. Did you see- All right, see, beautiful.
0: Did, it's beautiful that you don't have any cognitive dissonance with it, though. I respect the hell out of that.
1: Yeah. So did you see Joaquin Phoenix's acceptance speech no. at the Oscars?
0: No. You are okay. the Oscars?
1: I did watch it, yes. Nice. I did. So um, his speech is, I'd say, hands down, well, one of the top three speeches I've ever seen in my life in any category. Whoa. Yes. So I'm going to do a little spoiler alert yeah, here for a second because what good. he actually talks about, what he references to give you a visual, mm-hmm. emotional connection to what he's trying to draw attention to, because he's talking about really kind of the dire straits of so many things and, and really the importance of unification and support and how mm. creative we are yeah. as human beings and what we can accomplish. And then he says, we actually inject cows with antibiotics. Then we take their baby as soon as it's born, even though their cries of anguish are unmistakable. Mm-hmm. And then we milk them with the milk that was supposed to be for the baby yeah. in order to put it in our coffee and our cereal. Now, to me, that whole connection of what goes on for the life of that animal, the abuse, mm-hmm. the horror, really, you know, and then we're doing it because we want it for our coffee and our cereal. So the answer is not just stop buying all dairy. You know, I'm not an extremist in any way. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a proponent of being aware of yeah. what you're doing.
0: Well, then what, what it really, well, I mean, being aware of it. I mean, awareness only goes so far. What it really comes down to is poverty. I think if everyone had the money to buy only grass-fed beef and uh, grass-fed... I've actually just recently started seeing grass-fed milk, which is really cool.
1: Yeah, and it's not making brand. that statement that it's, you know, poverty. Like, like if people who are in poverty, yes, food is expensive. But I think that we have this massive disconnect that has occurred around what portion of our income should go to food. What right. portion should go to food? I don't have a specific number. Neither I know why. that I spend a lot of money on food, and I don't. Do you, how I much don't, money do you spend a month on food? Because I've gotten, I've tried
0: to see how low I can get it by eating the same meal for one week and then a different meal for one week or uh-huh, ten days. Uh-huh. I can get it pretty cheap, uh-huh. but obviously, uh, you're eating soup for ten days in a row. Yeah. At that point, you know. So
1: I've been raising kids, right? So oh, okay. raising them
0: with <laughs> that's gonna be a big number.
1: Well, it's a lot. It's bigger for sure, but raising them with um, the most well-balanced, high-quality. Food yeah. is at the very top of my role as their mother. Always yeah. has been since they were born. So I don't buy anything else. I don't shop. I don't go on trips. I don't. I, I live a very modest life. Nice. The majority of my money goes to good food.
0: That's beautiful. I mean, that's what this, what making them up as human beings, kind of thing. You know, it's like the the building blocks. You're just investing in that. That's how I see it too. Mm-hmm. Food is is really literally an investment in your health. Like. People always say that thing where it's like uh, all the money in the world never bought a minute of time or a second of time. Mm-hmm. I know someone's alarm's going off.
1: Yeah, I'm like, is that my phone or your phone? Okay, it's not
0: mine. Um, no, it's not mine. Okay. Um, all the money in the world never bought a second of time. But at the end of the day, it absolutely does buy time. The more money you have, you literally, first off, you buy the free time of not having to work. But also you can buy higher quality health care and food, which then also gives you more time to live. Mm-hmm. So I think the more money that there is... But I'm not saying this in the way that's like, oh, poverty is this thing that's always going to be here. Like, like Naval makes a really good argument that there could be no poverty. Do you know who yes, Naval is?
1: Yes, I was just having this discussion yesterday or the day before. Yeah,
0: we could mm-hmm. get rid of it hypothetically. Right.
1: Yeah, and the benefits of doing that are long, wide, yeah. and extensive. You know, because the systems that we have set up now are not really working. So, yeah, I'm not saying that expensive food. Is accessible to everyone, not by a long shot. Cool. I understand that it's yeah. not. Beautiful. Uh-huh.
0: It's just that, like, you know, like, like, I just like catching people out when they, like, say stuff where it's like, I don't know. Like, there, there's always that, like, it falls flat with some people who are like, yeah, I have $3 in my bank account. I'm not going to be able to gra- buy grass-fed beef, you know?
1: Yeah. But maybe you don't buy beef when you have the $3. Yeah. You know, like, you're talking about an amount of money that is going to fluctuate, obviously, yeah, to some degree. Yeah. And so, how do you allocate your funds? And yeah. just being more aware that spending... Some energy on understanding what you're supporting.
0: Yeah. Have you ever been in, in poverty in your life? Like like lived in poverty. You're just been at like a really poor point in your life? <clears throat> or have you have you always been like just like halfway decently off? Like
1: uh, have that's you ever a been very a, relative question. Yeah. Have I you mean, ever I been have... at a
0: place where you barely had any money in your bank account?
1: Oh. Yeah. Many really? many times, yes. Yes.
0: And so what would you eat then? What's a what's a decent, cheap but ethical meal?
1: Well, I would say um, Beans you, and Rice. <laughs> no. Nope. Really? No. I mean, no, I've never done beans and rice as a solo meal.
0: Mm.
1: I've always had enough to buy, um, you know, I mean, I've been a mom for 20 years. So before that, I don't know, like when I was living in New York when I was 23, spaghetti. Nice. Was a good meal to go to when yeah. we had very little money. I lived with my sister and another woman in a one bedroom in Chelsea, you know, and it was super poor. Yeah. It's the cost of living was not in alignment with the cost to live in New York. Yeah.
0: Were you happier then or now, do you think? Oh. I guess you didn't have kids back then. Kids probably bring you a lot of happiness. Two different worlds. Two different worlds, yes. That's interesting. What was it like like just knowing for the first time? Because I just watched, uh, I don't like Vox, but for some reason I watch him every once in a while. Vox had a video on childbirth. What was it like knowing that you're just about to give, a, like, have birth? And there's a percent chance that you're going to die because women die in childbirth or right. that the kid's going to die. And then at, after it, your life's going to be different. That mm-hmm. must have been the trippiest thing in the universe.
1: Yes, it was. It was the biggest shift. And then the realization that there's now this human being that... Oh, my gosh. I'm ...never going to go back to yeah. not having a human being to care for.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And now that my son is 20, you know, he's off on his own. But the thing is... He's still my child, right? So in many ways, like I have to really try to pull back from mothering too much, giving too much advice, really trying to honor his, and with my daughter too, but it's, yeah, raising humans is such a trip.
0: Yeah, it Raising would be. a human being. Yeah. yeah. Do you reflect on how your parents raised you more? I mean, would you like see yourself doing something that then you're like, oh shit, my parents did that to me when I was younger and I hated that and then you catch yourself and don't do it? Or any of these, Some like version of that, games. Yes.
1: yes. Nice. Yeah, I, I try to, you know. But, um, yeah, it's hard not to be self-critical and see things we that could be... You should be self-critical.
0: That's how you yeah. get better.
1: Well, with everything. But there's also a point at which you can be too self-critical.
0: Oh, yeah. You don't want to cause yourself stress and no. anxiety. What's no. so interesting is when I had this... Uh, the digital mental health person on the show mm-hmm. um, from the U of o, U of O. He studies depression for like ten years. So I'm like, so are you depressed or have you ever had depression? He's like, no, I, I I deal more with anxiety. I'm like, really? It seems like like such a prestigious person wouldn't have anxiety at some point. I don't know.
1: You think that honestly? You don't think the prestige that, and money? Because that's what I'm hearing you say is that ooh. prestige and money gives such security. S- security, but security. Some, I've known anxiety. some of the richest people that I've known. Yeah most unhappy yeah and some of the people like that worked in the restaurants for example um or that's pretty much it actually in the restaurants but they didn't have very much what makes people happy it
0: seems no what yeah what makes you happy it seems like i mean if you had no security if you didn't know that you could pay for food or your kids or housing Mm -hmm. next year probably be pretty anxious wouldn't you
1: being a huge. founder of a company yeah. and start oh, yeah. huh. startups, mm-hmm. I've been in that position many times. Yeah, I just hustle my ass off yeah. and just make stuff happen, right? And that's kind Be, of what the fire is. But I'm, so you're less anxious then,
0: or like it, it, you have less anxiety when you don't have financial stress. For me, it seems like the biggest financial or the biggest stressor for everyone is finances. Is finances?
1: Yeah, but it doesn't mean that if someone has a lot of money that they don't have anxiety or depression or loneliness, isolation, lack of connection, and you know, well, actually. So, uh,
0: why, why would you? Why would you? Why would you what? Have, have anxiety and depression at that point if you don't have to worry about fine. And I'm just talking on my ass here. I'm, yeah. I'm curious because you seem like someone who's been kind of all over the spectrum in terms of um, financial success. Um, you seem to kind of allude to that you have had anxiety and depression in your life.
1: Oh, no, I didn't you allude haven't. to that. Okay,
0: beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> well, like, like, I it's mean, good to
1: clear it up. No, yeah. I haven't had depression. Anxiety is something that I think everyone has to some degree and it ebbs and flows, and hopefully it can be, um, you know, kept under control in a healthy way but w- our society is a very anxious society
0: it is isn't it yeah you're just never meant to unclench you just got to like stay on guard all the time
1: yeah so slowing down is a really good thing to try to focus on you know and that's where minimalism intention those things really can help yeah having a simple closet having a simple closet that's good so yes. do you meditate
0: or do you not take it that far
1: i do hot yoga
0: Ooh, Bikram mm-hmm. or they don't call it Bikram anymore.
1: I don't do Bikram. No, it's just hot yoga. I hot do yoga. it, um, like five days a week. Nice. Holy cow. Yeah. It's my saving grace, my therapy, my yeah. everything. It's like, it, it helps me on every level.
0: That's pretty cool. I don't mm-hmm. think I've had anyone in here that that's, that's really pitched that, but that's a cool thing. We'll have yeah. To go
1: I, that. I, I'm an evangelist about it. Are you really? Yeah, seen? I am because I, I, I've seen it, you know, I've been doing it for a year and a half now and, um. You know, I'll be 50 this year. And so the realization around getting older and your body starts changing kind of more rapidly as Mm -hmm. each decade goes by. um, Focusing on stress reduction and strengthening and balancing and um, stretching, you know, flexibility. Yoga is just the best. Yeah,
0: I like it. I'm sure that all reduces stress. But I want to get back to this because I really don't understand it if you have no financial stress in life, Mm -hmm. what would you be stressed about?
1: Well, I'll give you an example. Okay. I've never been in that position where I've had zero financial stress. I mean, I've been in a position of like, yeah, there's a safety net, solid, you know. um, But to me, when I see people who have a ton of money, they're stressed about things like, it depends on what category. Like I've seen people who are in the hundreds of millions, oh right? Oh, my God. Yeah. And been around that. They individual. were stressed? Yeah, because usually when someone's in that position, I mean, people are wanting things from you. You don't really know what the basis mm. of the relationships are. You know, you're in a, like a weird little glass castle. And I don't think that you're able to really connect with those people around you on as deep a level, typically speaking. It just does weird, money's weird. Money does weird things. Money's a weird right? thing. Right. So there was a study I heard at some point that said basically the happiest point is around $75-80,000. You have enough. You have enough to like live comfortably, but mm. you're not people who have a lot of money. The whole keeping up with the Joneses becomes a real issue, you know, buying a bigger house, having more to take care of. Having a lot to take care of is stressful.
0: Oh yeah. 100%. A big house,
1: expensive cars. The pressure to keep up. But you, you don't lose have it? To engage.
0: Like you're willing fully, I mean, maybe you're not consciously engaging in it, but you, if you have enough money that you're just willingly engaging in these ple- pleasure of pain cycles of being like, oh, I want that. And then you f- feel a fallout of no longer having that happen. You've got to
1: agree with me when I say that we perpetuate a culture that supports that 100%. That's how we live in this culture. So if you're talking about somebody who has but a... But you don't have
0: to. If you had you $100 million, you, dollars, you probably no. wouldn't.
1: The people that I've known who have that kind of money Yeah buy big homes in different locations, have a staff, Mm. you know, have all this stuff, all this pressure, family members, friends coming to them for loans. And I mean, it's, yeah, it's, there's a lot of stress in that. If you choose to have an incredibly simple life Mm -hmm. and you have a lot of money, I guess that could lead to the least amount of stress. Yeah but I haven't seen anyone like that. Have you? That's crazy.
0: No, I don't I don't tend to ask people like, hey, how much money do you have though? You kind of get a sense though. I think people really are
1: largely overextended.
0: I, yeah, I think most people mm-hmm. fake it though. I think I've met a lot of people who yeah. show, or who allude to them having a lot of money, but then you can kind of see, I'm like someone who has a lot of money sure wouldn't act like that. So I don't know who actually has that much money <laughs> in life. Like I've really been uh-huh. like dialing into it. I'm like, wait, you're trying, you're spending an hour trying to save $30, but you allegedly have millions of dollars. I doubt it. You know, it's a weird thing to catch that in people where you're like, okay, well, okay. So let me take stock of who actually has money in life.
1: You know what though? I've heard this over and over again from very intelligent people that when someone makes a ton of money in their life, part of it is mentality and the way they've approached Mm. money and that they pinch their pennies. Yeah. Right. So that's a mentality they enter their career Mm -hmm. with. So saving $30 sometimes. But you're not pinching
0: your time at that point. You gotta pinch your time or your money. What well, after a certain point. Mm-hmm. You well, gotta respect God. that. So I'm like, know, for me at least, that's a signaling thing of or maybe the person has some 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 thing that's stuck in them, like, okay, that's how I got successful. Exactly. I keep doing it. Yes. But and you gotta switch it off. At some I
1: would point. agree with you. Oh yeah. my gosh. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean that's one of the biggest things is um, that I really like with Naval. Obviously I'm not there yet, but he's like set an aspirational hourly rate. Mm-hmm. So if you have an item that you're like, okay, I need to return it and it's worth ten dollars and it takes an hour to return it. Just give it to someone or right. throw it away or something. It's not worth an hour of your time to make yeah. ten dollars back. So it's like what number would that be? Because if it's like a three hundred dollar item, you're probably gonna return it. You're mm-hmm. gonna make three hundred dollars for an hour of your time to return it. So it's an interesting thing to think of your time within that. And then it's you see millionaires just throw away an hour for fifteen bucks, like angry on the phone and stuff or on the That's computer. That's more about
1: pride and, and oh, like making yeah. a point of making a point. Oh yeah. They're gonna Price argue toxic. something. Yeah.
0: Pride yeah. is, I think, one of the more taught. And that's kind of what keeping up with the Joneses all is, is just being envious of others and be like, I want to be prideful of some shit. Yeah, ego. Ego. Ego, yeah. It's a goofy word. I think everyone always used ego, the self, consciousness. And I do, too. I'm, I'm totally guilty of this. Mm-hmm. Here's the one biggest thing that I do on the show that I think is one of my biggest faults. And if I'm ever later in life running for politics, hopefully people vote. No, um,
1: <laughs> Yes, hopefully <simply> they vote.
0: <laughs> but one of the biggest things that I think people could fault me on is they're like, oh, he's been all over the place. Because I changed my mind a lot. Like I went into this conversation being like, I don't know. I don't think it's that bad to buy um, clothes that were made in a, in a factory. And then you change my mind. So I think in the next show I do, I probably won't have that opinion. Mm-hmm. I, I use people as a soundboard, people mm-hmm. who know more about a subject as me, and I just throw whatever I've heard and kind of thought of at them, and then I get it back, I'm like, okay. And I change my mind a little bit and take it a little bit more better formed for the next one. Mm-hmm. So I think if someone in 10 years sees my policies, they'd be like, oh, he's been all over the place getting here, I'd be screwed. I'd be like, I have no, I think it's an important thing, though.
1: I think it is, too, and I think it taps into what's called you know, emotional Quotient, intelligence, emotional intelligence, right? So there's IQ and EQ.
0: I've never heard of that in my life. Emotional quotients.
1: Yeah. So IQ is intellectual quotient, right? So when anyone says, oh, he's got a high IQ, right? I never
0: thought about what IQ stood for. Oh,
1: yeah. (laughs) Ever mind. Now you know. Now you know. And so there's um, been quite a bit of focus and study on the subject of IQ versus EQ, you know, Mm -hmm. some, um, and, often if someone has a really high IQ their EQ isn't anywhere close to it
0: Ooh.
1: but there's no i'm not i'm not trying to spout something that i don't know EQ is
0: better let's just say i'm kidding i don't even know what but EQ what I'm, is i'm just joking emotional with
1: you. quotient your yeah. ability to to understand people to tap into nuance you know like to have empathy and compassion Oof, to be rock a good bottom then to be a good listener. You yeah. don't know. I, I don't
0: think I have any at all, but I think so. Have you ever taken an IQ test out of curiosity of like, I what is not. this? I've never even gotten to the end of one, but I started taking I'm like, this is just pattern recognition. That's uh-huh. literally all it is. It's like, uh-huh. can you, can you just recognize the patterns? And I'm like, okay, that's at what point I think it's important. That's what makes us human. But I'm like, that's definitely not intelligence.
1: Yeah. I don't know how they uh, decide what goes into an intelligence or
0: test. Or EQ. Well, I, knew, I do now, because that's why I said it. I'm like, I know it goes into an IQ test, but I was wondering, what goes into an EQ test?
1: Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, I'm guessing you saw one version of an IQ test, and I'm guessing there are different versions, yeah. right? And so who puts those together? Who decides?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I saw it on Facebook. I'm kidding. I'm so <laughs> kidding. It was one of those, uh, oh, snap, I forgot the name of it, but it starts with like an M, Whenever I say it starts with a letter, it never starts with that letter.
1: (laughs) I hate that. That happens to me too. anything,
0: I just throw other people (laughs) off the trail so I can think of it before. them. No, but it's one of those like, uh, shit, I can't think of it. Mm -hmm. Um, but like those, yeah, the, the, those things that they send people. I'm like, Oh, I'm curious, like what I'd get on that. And then I was like, it was like 120 questions. So I was taking it for like five minutes. But
1: was it, was it generic in terms of whoever gave it to you or whatever, you know? I mean, there are quality points. It was like like an
0: online one that if you do well enough, then you can go in person and take it. And I'm like, this would take 45 minutes to do. And I was on the phone with like uh just waiting. So I was like, okay, after like 10 minutes, I'm like, I get it. Pattern recognition. Yeah. But I think people who are more successful money-wise in life are probably worse on the EQ spectrum and better on the IQ spectrum. Because it seems like if you didn't have emotional quality, like Jeff Bezos, for example, I don't know the guy, but I'm going to use him as a shitty example. He, if you're low on the EQ, you'd probably be willing to fuck over a bunch of factory workers and people. Mm-hmm. But if you were like, shit, I really care about these people, mm-hmm. I don't think you could do it.
1: I agree with you. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you think you're high or low on the EQ spectrum? High. Ah. I mean, yeah. that's why you buy LA-made LA clothing.
1: That's why, yeah, I have it made. I mean, yes. Yeah. I, um, I think it's important to care
0: I do too. I don't know. It's just all over the place. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, you got L, you got you got your clothing stuff and your voting stuff going on in your life, mm-hmm. and your mom. Anything mm-hmm. else, or is that is that how you more or less round off yourself as if you're showing people who you are? It's it's a really hard thing to ask people. Hey, who are you? Because mm-hmm. I don't like when people ask me that. But at some <laughs> point, at some point, people are curious. Like, who is August? You know.
1: Well, I mean, that's that's a hard question to wrap an answer into. You know, yeah. I. I live my life to, you know, it sounds potentially, I don't even know if cliche is the right word, but to connect and support people that I care about and beyond, you know, to leave this place better than when I came into it. I, like I said, I'm almost 50 and I've learned so much in the past five decades. Yeah. And I... I'm a really passionate, intense individual. Yeah. So when I care about something, there's a tremendous amount of fire inside of me to give it what I've got.
0: I like it. One thing I've noticed about you is you make the most eye contact of any guest I've ever had. <laughs> Did you learn it in a book or something? Did you? That read?
1: is funny you say that. No, no. I mean it's just really. I said that to someone like five days ago. This person held eye contact with me, and there was no um, talking. Mm. And what? I just, yeah, for like eight seconds. And I was just okay, I'm going to sit. Know. No, no, no. So we were in the middle of the oh, conversation, okay, 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 okay. but we had so paused for a second. And then there was this like intentional eye contact with no conversation. And I was sitting there just feeling so like vulnerable and, you know, uncomfortable. But I was like, I'm just going to sit with this and I'm not going to break eye contact. And then finally I reached over and said, you are so good at eye contact. That's you know hilarious. it was so it just the fact that you just said that to me is yeah, funny
0: that is funny i don't think it's i've had a lot of guests i'm not going to call any of them out that won't make eye contact with huh? me i've had one to two hour shows with people who won't won't make eye contact not at all but no the next the next time i have one of those guests on i'm actually going to start off the conversation with hey why don't you make eye contact Ooh, that can make them un- uncomfortable yeah, i mean have i made you uncomfortable about the show i've asked some decently personal questions
1: Uncomfortable? No, I wouldn't say uncomfortable. Right.
0: So I think I think people I think people are the most comfortable talking about intimate parts of themselves. I think you wouldn't be comfortable if I was like, oh, what do you think about this economic policy? You'd be okay. Like, oh, I'm talking to my ass here.
1: So let's go back to eye contact for a second because yeah. eye contact is kind of like having a good handshake. Ooh, right? okay. Yeah. Right? So if someone has a shitty handshake, mm-hmm. like a limp handshake. Yeah, call it out. All <laughs> kinds of assessments are made instantaneously mm-hmm. about that person. I that's me. I'll speak for myself. Right. Yeah. So I taught my kids from the time they were little, mm-hmm. to have a strong handshake. We would practice, you know, and not too aggressive, not yeah. too flimsy. Yeah. But it's about how to, how to grab someone's hand, mm-hmm. look them in the eye, and say hello. Because what you're doing is you're making a connection and yeah. an impression, right, that you can never adequately do again.
0: I'm with you there. But it gets to the point where have you ever shaken someone's hand where they grip too early? Oh. You know what I'm talking about before oh, I even said it. Oh, all kinds
1: of wrong ways. Oh,
0: and then you're like, no, I <laughs> do don't have a bitch handshake. I swear to God, if you let yeah. me get all the way in there, it would be secure. exactly. So I would
1: teach my kids, you know? Like you. it yeah. goes to there and That's you hold the, the you hand you it, yeah. and you do, you know? It's, it's just so important. So anyway, eye contact to me is in that same category, you know, that it's an important way of... Um, Showing somebody that you're present with them.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. But at some point, like if 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 someone made eye contact with me for eight seconds with neither of us talking, I'd be like, oh, all right. At some point, you got to blink or something. Totally, and that's why
1: I broke it by saying something. You know, like I, um, I that was an exercise for me, an unforeseen Mm. exercise. But anyway, the point is that I, I think that eye contact is known to be important, like a good handshake.
0: Well, here's the reason why I think he did it. Tim Ferriss, Tim Ferriss, the life hacks guy... He put out like a challenge because apparently it's in his like four hour work week book, the book you may have heard of. Yes, yeah. that's why that the guy, name rings a bell. He, yeah. um, he put out a challenge. He's like, all right, go out. And if you make eye contact with someone, don't be the first one to break it. Even if it gets really awkward for seconds on end, don't mm-hmm. be a creeper, blink. And I'm like, I wonder if like, I'm like, are you doing this challenge with me no. right now? Or I'm like, oh, well, maybe that guy, that person did it with you. Well, I
1: think that wasn't intentional because we talked about it later. Oh, and okay. he did say, yeah, it's something that I... It is uncomfortable. We fill our, our silences quickly with talk. People are often uncomfortable with silences. You know, I am. Like if I'm mm-hmm. sitting with someone in an engagement. And you then are. I've
0: noticed you've been comfortable with silences. You end things on a, on, a, on a hard sharp off. And just for the sake of the show, I, I try to fill silences because mm-hmm. I don't edit.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. So that's sense. why I'm
0: like, I try to fill. But you seem like someone who is very comfortable with silences. So that surprised me.
1: Not lengthy silences. Not lengthy. You <laughs> no. wouldn't just
0: sit with someone?
1: <laughs> no. That would be hard for me, honestly. Okay. Um. So that's why that was a trip to have that experience. But I, yeah. Anyway, I'm rambling now.
0: Yeah. We're, I mean, this is literally just a show about rambling. Yeah. I don't know. I really, I mean, do you listen, you don't listen to podcasts, do you? Your audiobooks? I what have. Do you, what do you fill your, your, your ears with most of the day? Nothing? Music. Okay, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's got to be something. It's gotten to the point where I listen to so many podcasts that if I don't have podcasts and I'm driving, I'm like, Jesus, I'm wasting time. I feel like I'm wasting time, even uh-huh. though it's probably good for me to just not be- uh, Absorbing all the time. Absorbing all the time, yeah. just to let it down for a second. But now I feel like I should be listening <laughs> to podcasts all the time. Well, but
1: also I'm guessing that you are coming from a place of perpetual like um, self-education. This is what you're choosing to do, right? Mm. This is your passion yeah. mm. right now it could change. Yeah. But you were sharing with me that you had done a few other things along the way. Yeah. And they didn't resonate 100%, mm. but that this is really turning you on. It is. Right? So rock exposing hard. yourself. <laughs> <I can't. laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> you want to be rock hard. <laughs> you don't want to be limp. Oh my
0: God. <laughs> <laughs> no. It is and it but but that just can it can get to a toxic level. Like if you're an author but all you do is read books, Yeah. you know, or it's just like at a certain point, you you have to have perspective to bring into
1: your writing. That's where your self-awareness comes in. Yeah. yeah. And just having some balance, you know, and some moderation. Mm-hmm. But I'm guessing you love podcasts. I love you them. You love them. There you go. So. It's a good thing in life. Yeah.
0: But I didn't, uh, so I started the show like six months ago. If you were to ask me seven or eight months ago, I'm like, those are the dumbest things in the entire world. <laughs> I'll never listen to one. Within one month, I was convinced. And then within another month, I started my own. Uh-huh. that's how quick it was because mm-hmm. up until then like even one of my roommates he'd listen to Joe Rogan all the time I'm like oh my god that guy's such a bro frat douche I hate <laughs> the guy and then I started listening and I'm like I like it I like it a lot uh-huh. it's finally just a good 'Cause media is just so obnoxious now, like late yeah. night shows and all these things. I'm yeah. like it's so formulaic and like yep. the, like like they put on the clap alarm or the yeah. laugh alarm and I'm like oh, okay. This no, is it's actually like the dri- canned
1: laughter. Yeah, it drives it me crazy. It feels soulless. It
0: feels soulless. Right?
1: So creating something that's really authentic and spontaneous.
0: Yeah. I mean you probably thing. didn't expect where this conversation was gonna go. I was I gonna no clue. ask about when you've been most anxious or wealthy in your life and you're like, I don't know, what the hell is he talking about?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean but I I was confident that you would guide it beautifully and you have.
0: Really? Mm -hmm. I don't know about that. I think some, I try my best. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, are are you self-critical in your, like, here's the thing I don't understand. Like, is it hard to have a website and just be like, all right, I don't know. Like, so I went to your website and I Mm -hmm. see it and I see all these different people's websites. I'm like, how many people go to these people's sites? And at what, like, like, if you have a really good month, And it's followed by not as good of a month. Do you feel like a failure for not keep going up? Or like at what point is, as you say, being too self-critical, does it creep into your life? You know?
1: Hmm. Let me think about that.
0: And I I tried to do it in a way that I didn't get too personal about like, hey, like, you know, how successful is your business? But more or less, like if you have a really good month and then not as good of a month at the next one, Mm -hmm. do you stress out? or Are you like, okay, this is fine?
1: Oh, yeah, no, I stress out about it. But you know, I've been bootstrapping since I launched. Oh, congrats. Okay, so that is for anyone who's not familiar with that term, it means like hustling your ass off to keep going every single month. It's been just me. Especially funding wise. Yeah, so I've raised some money enough to get me off the ground, and then it's been me bootstrapping. But I look back at it now, and it's really been what I call a beta test.
0: Oh, really? A long one,
1: but yes. So I've learned all these things, and now we're getting ready to scale the company and raise money. And you know, I brought on a business partner. But those past seven years, huh? What would scaling a company mean? What does scaling a company like, what mean? What would scaling your company
0: mean? Isn't it already at scale if, you, if you're selling clothes? Like wouldn't no. if hundred if twice as many people next month buy clothes, wouldn't that scale itself? That
1: either. kind of what's called like a hockey stick growth. Yeah, yeah, that would be scaling, but that has not been, I've been like out of the trunk of my car more or less to give you an analogy, okay. yeah. you know, like yeah. I've gotten into high-end boutiques up and down the West Coast, but I did that because I drove up and down I-5 in my old Land Cruiser Wow! and walked into stores and asked to speak to the owner. Holy cow. Yeah. So that's bootstrapping. You're right? really
0: bootstrapping. That's impressive.
1: Seriously bootstrapping, nice. yes. Yeah. So then
0: you would open up your own boutique. Would that be scaling? That's I did open my here. own
1: store here in Eugene. Yeah. Where's it at? Um, I closed it after oh. nine months. But you know, it was it was kind of um, I knew having been in Eugene that that higher priced items have a hard time in Eugene. Mm. This is a quirky little town that I love. Yeah, it is. But um the good news is that I got to open this beautiful boutique and I got to experience because I brought in, I don't know, eight or nine other brands that are very similar in philosophies, you know, mm. like classic pieces made in the U.S. Cool. Slightly different styles, um, obviously. But sister, anyway.
0: Sister brands to you.
1: Yeah, it's a good term. Yeah. But what I learned is that all those brands combined that are very established, these mm. are long-standing brands. Um, my line sold three times more, all of them combined. Really? Yes. And then I decided to close the store and put my energy back into building the e-commerce reality. So I got to check off the store thing. I had, I had been wanting to have a brick and mortar mm. because since the restaurants, I love the experience of engaging with the customer. Yeah. But brick and mortar is hard. Yeah. And I don't want to scale that aspect of the company, the it's business model. to scale.
0: And it's one of those things where if you never did it, you would have never been able to exactly. cross it off. Like, exactly. You have to do it to cross it. I had to get the three video cameras to tick it off. Okay, I can't do video. <laughs> yeah. But I always would have been like, oh, if I do video, then just then this it'll would be happen. great. Yeah. I wish there was. Like, don't you just wish there was a mentor who could just genuinely tell you, like, no, you don't want a boutique. That doesn't work. It I've doesn't, had mentors. Yeah. I've had friends. Oh, I've had all. You
1: know that. That's what wisdom is, yeah. right? As you get older and you experience things and you gain wisdom, you can only gain it through experience. Yeah. Someone can't tell Brutal. you something.
0: Through uh, experience and losing money.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's <different>, one thing. <laughs> <laughs> like that's
0: the best experience you can get. It's like, like I always have the joke of life's a long string of losing money in different endeavors. Of so like, you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then you sell it for less or like all these different things. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I mean, you make more money in different ways, but then like. The bleeding kind of never stops in life, you know? (laughs)
1: Well, it is, you know, my mom used to call it, you know, energy is money. Yeah. I mean, excuse me, money is energy. I got that backwards. Yeah. Money is energy, right? So people can have a mindset of scarcity. You can have a mindset of abundance. And what I've come to realize is that when we talk about mindset around money, to me, what it now means is how do you approach your relationships and your endeavors, your career, if you're kind of chronically in a bad mood or irritated or stressed, mm. your, I'm not metaphysical, but kind of like your aura, your energy around you, you is going to be less. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Kidding, yeah, kidding. exactly. It's going to be less appealing. It's going to oh, be like people are going to be less drawn to you yeah. as a, as a fabulous source of God, I want to be around that person, Yeah, you know, so that boils down to thoughts, right?
0: Interesting. So if you're a millionaire, but you penny pinch, are you putting off a, um, an aura of scarcity at that point or abundance?
1: Well, at that point, I would say, internally, that person is feeling scarcity, a sense of scarcity. Yeah. Right? And so I would imagine if I was married to someone who was in that exact same scenario you're talking about, or if that was my parent, it would affect my perception of them. Hmm. I would view them as being frugal.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. As opposed to. Frugal is a
0: good thing. Frugal is a good thing. Frugal is not buying too many clothes.
1: Frugal is not a bad thing. Yeah, okay. But what I'm saying is that frugal is kind of a nice term for what it is you're describing. If you're a penny Uh, pincher and you're a miser, how about miser? Okay,
0: there we go. Miser. That's a better word, yeah. (laughs) Isn't this so weird? I think it's just because it has the letter R in it. I've been noticing it more and more. Words that have R in it, you're like, that's a bad miser murder frugal rape oh oh i guess frugal okay. damn it damn it <laughs> You <just laughs> poked a hole in that whole thing i'm like frugal is like a, such a nice like easy word and i've been uh-huh. like really doing because i like this this um this plant called kratom and it sounds so bad because it has the r in it kratom but if it was like katom you'd be like oh it's cool it's just like another hmm. goofy fluffy t kind of thing i don't know
1: i think but, it depends on more than just the r
0: maybe i, I you haven't convinced me here it's just because frugal has <laughs> r in it but i like it it's funny because Like, I think like three or four minutes ago, I cut you off. You're going to say seven years or for the past seven years, I've been doing, I've been trying my best to not cut guests off. Mm -hmm. If you have any idea where we were going for that, I would like you to finish. You're talking about for the past seven years of your clothing company. I'm like, what does it mean to scale your company?
1: Oh, I said that it was bootstrapping for seven years and now we're going to scale. That's the Uh. intention now going forward. And then you asked me. You know, aren't, aren't I scaling now by yeah. just having...
0: So I just cut you off there a sentence.
1: Yeah. Sorry about that. That's okay. Yeah,
0: beautiful. I didn't even think about it. Yeah, well, I had an absolute pleasure speaking with you. I um, did, I'm looking as well. forward to maybe connecting with your, your clothing people so I can stop exploiting small Chinese hands around the world who are dying in factory
1: I'd be happy to support implosions. you in that. So. Yeah, I'll introduce you, you to much. my people.
0: Do you have a, a shout out? Click on her link, the uh, Katie... L.A., Katie Brown L.A. B- Boutique? No. KatieLA.com? Nope. nope. <laughs> ah, K- KBLA.com? Try
1: 10 more times, God and damn. if you can't get it, okay.
0: <laughs> Whatever. But your name's Katie Brown L.A.?
1: Yeah, it's that's clothing. the website. Okay, it's Katie beautiful. Brown LA.
0: Beautiful. Yeah. All right. It'll be in the link. Check out our clothing, especially if you're a woman or a man who likes that kind of thing.
1: It's, yeah, we're here for everybody. Are
0: you ever going to make men's clothing? That would be I've been asked a different kind men. of scaling. I'm asking you. Yeah. Make basics. it so I don't have to buy $3 t shirts that were made by little exploited hands. Yeah. Maybe I will. Cool. All right. Thank, thank you, very you for much having me on. It
1: was a pleasure.